The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi guys, it's Lo, and welcome to a brand new episode of I Love Wellness. Hi, hi. I have a glorious guest on the show today. Please welcome Emily Donato to the show. Hello. Hi. hi. Um, Emily, you are an American model that has graced many covers of Vogue all over the world. You're the face of Maybelline forever. Yes, right? I've been the face of Maybelline for over 10 years. That's amazing. So yes. you definitely would recognize this glorious <laughs> beauty sitting across from me. You also have a really popular YouTube channel, which I think is fun. And you're a yoga instructor, you know a ton about nutrition, you're a health coach. Exactly. You're so well-rounded. I, you know, I do my best. I try to diversify. You're also nice. I came out of the elevator and you were like, hey, <laughs> hey, it's Emily. I was like, Hi. I recognized your face and I was like, come to me, hug me. <laughs> well, it's six degrees in New York City today, so I came in with like so bundled up. <laughs> Um, Anyway, hi. It's so nice to have you. It's so nice to be here. I'm so excited. I've been a longtime fan. Oh, thanks. That's so nice. Yeah. It's true. Um, Yeah. My my own life has uh, evolved, not in the same way that yours has. But yeah, it's interesting going from like reality TV to, oh, I own this business and we do podcasts and stuff like this. It's an interesting transition. Yeah. I would love to hear more. I wonder if you talk about it on any of your podcasts already, like that transition and that journey. Um, Yeah. I mean, I have. Yes. I absolutely have. I feel like we'd have to cut a million episodes from like <laughs> I Love Wellness and Lady Lovin', like when it existed. Like we could do like a compilation episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just Seriously. like a long, like <laughs> streaming thought of the evolution. Um, but it's so nice to meet you. Yeah, it's nice to meet you too. I'm so curious. You're a New Yorker, right? I am a native New Yorker. Yes, I'm from upstate New York originally. So oh, which about, part? It's called, um, the town I'm from is called Rock Tavern. So no one knows what and where that is, which is mm. totally understandable. Not a lot going on there. Um, I'm from Orange County though. It's like an hour and a half north of here. It's yeah. in the Hudson Valley. It's beautiful. Is it close to Bear Mountain? It's very close to Bear Mountain. Yes. Yes. I have hiked Bear Mountain before. Exactly. It's so beautiful. It's so nice. It's gorgeous, and I'm really lucky. My parents are super close. They always Mm -hmm. have been, so that's definitely been a big part of my life and journey for sure. I love that. I live in. I've been in New York since 2012, and I miss my family so much. It's It's so they live in California, and it's just like, oh, just move here. (laughs) It's so nice having family close. It just keeps you so grounded. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I love going upstate. Me too. It's like it's such a nice breath of fresh air, and just having my family there, being able to go hiking, mountain bike riding, like that's what I grew up doing. And then mm-hmm. you take it for granted, move to Manhattan, and you think this is the end all be all. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, I want to go back and just like roll around in the grass. Yes, and- <laughs> definitely. I'm ready for my farm life. You know what Same. I mean? It's my destiny. Yeah. <laughs> you live in New York long enough that you start to really want to revolt against New York City. It's Not true. everybody. And like, I always would love to have a place in New York City, but I just don't think I can actually live here forever. For a long time, I was like, I am a New York City girl. I have, have done it, I have transitioned. I am here. Here. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think that just like the stress of the environment that we live in culturally today also is like just adding to my stress. So maybe if like we had a different president and the world was not on fire <laughs> and all of the terrible stuff that's going on wasn't going on, then 
being here would feel more reasonable. It's an overstimulating environment. Yes. It's something that even I, every single day, have to work at getting used to and like really trying to see the good and living here because it's such an amazing place to live. Of but course. there's no doubt that the sound and you know, the smells and the people, it's a lot to take in and enjoy it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We have to balance like access with what is this actually doing to us. Um, Are you a meditator? So actually, funny enough, I just started meditating. Mm -hmm. Um, I had always done forms of meditation because I I did a 200 hour yoga teacher training. So yoga was always kind of a form of meditation for me. Absolutely. But I actually just got back from a Tony Robbins event. Whoa. How was it? It was incredible. I was invited to one, but I didn't go because it didn't work with my schedule. I think that you need to go. Okay. I know that. Did sounds, you walk on fire? Eggs I walked or on something? fire. I did all the things. <laughs> you it's did? Funny. Oh, yeah, I did it all. I went all out because it was like I actually got it um, as a anniversary gift for my husband because he liked Tony Robbins and listened mm-hmm. to like him on podcasts and read all of his books. But it wasn't like ride or die fan. It was just like I knew he liked him. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, let's go to one of these events. It was pretty life changing, and oh. it's so positive, and it's just thirteen thousand people like dancing their faces off, but then also doing like incredible self-work and is like it cultish at all you know that's something that I'm trying to figure out because <laughs> like I just did to you every single person who asked me about it I'm like oh you need to go and then I'm like okay calm down Emily like I need to <laughs> I need to calm down I think it's like anything in some ways when we were doing some of the work and the dancing and all that stuff I was like I think maybe this is how some people feel at church or something mm-hmm. like I'm and I'm not a religious person but in general, it is very much about like inner work and work on yourself and yeah. being a better, more positive person. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just like riding the Tony Robbins wave for sure. That's great. I love it. I love that Tony Robbins documentary that's on Netflix. It's intense. It's it not is for super everyone. Intense. It's not for everyone. And but even- I liked it. I loved it. I thought it was really insightful. It's very insightful. And it also forces you to kind of connect and share things that you would absolutely never share with people, like with absolute strangers. He really forces you to get out of your comfort zone and really learn about yourself in a way. And I was with my husband doing some of this stuff. And I was like, Kyle, I can't share like my deepest, darkest secrets with you. And I don't know why, but I just can't (laughs) because I got to deal with this. I'm going to go tell this 17-year-old kid. (laughs) So there's a lot of that. Um, Uh But it was amazing. Very positive. I would give... I would tell everyone to give it a try. Okay. Yeah. I've tried to read his books and I I struggle to get through it, but you know, I just think I need to be a more focused reader. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. So, sometimes to do audiobook is kind of better. I've listened to mm. quite a few of his stuff like via audio audiobook, okay, which is helpful. Okay, that's a good idea. Maybe yeah. on my next road trip, yeah. I will go down the Tony Robbins. But yeah, in terms road. of meditation, which is was your original question, mm-hmm. yes, I do meditate, and I started doing it more seriously, obviously after that event, because you learn a lot of different ways to meditate. Mm-hmm. But also, I think meditation it's funny because I think it sometimes sounds like a big thing to take on at least that's what I always thought like I was like I can't do 15 minutes every day but even for myself what I try to focus on is like meditation sometimes for me is just 20 really big deep breaths Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be like a sit down or guided or 10 minutes or a headspace it doesn't have to be all those things it can kind of just be for me I'm like I'm just going to take 20 really big deep breaths and like that's all I have in me for today but even that makes a difference yeah I think that's really insightful. Do you meditate every day? um, Not every day. I would say that I meditate like once a week or three times a week or once a month. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For me, I learned how to meditate a couple years ago when I was going through a really difficult time and like was like sick and all these things. And my anxiety was like overwhelming me. And so I learned how to do transcendental meditation and it really helped me. Um, I did it very purposefully for 
a number of months and it helped me move through this moment completely. And so I would say that meditation is something that I rely on in moments of need, but that's not why you should meditate. Every meditation teacher says you need to meditate consistently so that you don't have moments of need. Exactly. <laughs> it's preventative. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, yes, it also can help resolve issues and solve problems, but it really is supposed to be like a preventative practice. Totally. And sometimes I do it. Sometimes I'm bad about it. <laughs> When I feel uncomfortable, I do it. And it definitely helps. It does help. It really does. If, it even in some ways, just sitting down and acknowledging I'm going to meditate is sort of the decision that I make when I'm feeling uncomfortable about something for a number of days to take the step forward. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, I don't even know if the meditation itself, you know, those 10 or 15 minutes are actually helping me because, you know, it's so infrequent, but it's just the act of making the decision to totally. be like, okay, I'm going to try to get out of this funk or this moment or whatever I'm, it is that I'm feeling. Exactly. I totally agree with that. It's a marker. Yeah. Um, okay. So arguably many people recognize your face. <laughs> How did you become a model outside of like, you're obviously lovely, but were you like discovered in Central Park or like what? <laughs> <laughs> How did that? Tell yeah. me your model origin story. Yeah, my model origin. I got scouted. I guess you could say um, in my junior year of high school. But what does that mean? Scouted? Is so, that like yeah. I, they saw me at Disney World? <laughs> Not Disney World. Something way less fun than Disney World. I was at the Danbury Mall in Connecticut. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. great mall uh-huh. uh, for those out there. Because <laughs> um, in upstate New York, malls are not great. Uh, yeah, so I was there with my mom and my dad, and there was like a. I don't even know if you would call it a modeling competition. There was something going on where people were like going on stage and there were all of these like modeling agents there. So my mm. mom and I were there and then they approached us like as we were walking by and I was, I remember I was wearing like purple sneaker. I was like young. I was like, I mean, I think I was like 15 at the time. And then they like all gave my mom their cards, which my mom still has all of these cards. This is like 12 like forever ago this was like I don't even know what year it was anyway so then um one of them in particular was like very adamant about kind of like working with me and doing something with me but I was still in high school but we stayed in touch and they basically were like oh you should come to Manhattan and meet with agencies like and they were kind of like what you would call a mother agent and then I met with these agencies and kind of like right away kind of clicked with one of them and then I started going on castings literally that day like I met this person I went on castings and then I was working for Ralph Lauren within like a week and it just happened all very quickly. Like, I met one person, they're like, here, come with me. And then they're like, okay, great, now go to this casting. And I was like, okay, like, I don't even know what that means or what a casting is. And then I was working within the week, which was really crazy because I had no idea what I was doing. And then I was, like, on a very official photo shoot. And they were like, where did we get this girl who, like, doesn't even know how to use her body? And I was like, someone please put me in a pose so I look like a model. <laughs> wow. Okay, but before <laughs> the scouting happened at the Danbury yeah. Mall, <laughs> did you want to be a model? Like, what did you want to be when you were a kid? It's funny because growing up, people had always told me, like, you're beautiful, you should be a model, all of those things. But that sounds like such a big, not tangible thing when you're in upstate New York. I was just like, yeah, that sounds awesome, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. And luckily, when it presented itself to me, I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. But before all of that, I mean, I was just a regular kid in high school, and I always think about it as a blessing the way it kind of came to me, the the industry itself, because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And Mm -hmm. even when I was in my junior year of high school, people were applying to colleges and very jazzed about that. And I was kind of like, 
I don't know. And I didn't come from a really big um, academic background. My parents didn't go to college. My brother was the first one in our family to go to college. And I was kind of like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I want to be. So then this opportunity kind of presented itself to me, and it, it was a blessing. It, it took me on a journey, but it was a blessing. Hmm. That's really interesting. Okay, so how did you learn how to become a model? <laughs> like, what does modeling actually entail? Because you see these video clips of models, and they're, like, dancing wildly in front of cameras. And I didn't know. It was like, is that what modeling is? Sometimes it is. It's it's whatever you're willing to do that day. It's funny because you can only learn by watching. I remember the first time I was on a shoot, it was for a TV commercial with Maybelline. And I didn't know what I was doing. And it was one of my first modeling jobs. And they were like, here, just watch the other model. And her name was Kemp Mule. And she's one of the most amazing models I've ever watched. She just can use her body and do anything. Like, you can ask her to do or be anything, and she just becomes it. It's, but what do you mean, use your body? Like, what do you mean? You can pose. Sometimes people ask for really strange and ridiculous things. Like, they're like, pretend that you're at a club and you're flirting with this guy, but, like, you might go home with him, but you might – like, it's, like, silent acting sometimes. And I'm, like, I was not a trained to do this. Like, uh. I don't know why you're asking me to do this. But <laughs> And sometimes you're at a party. Sometimes you're dancing and clients or your brands want certain things. But I think the most important thing is, like, giving no fricks about it because it's, like, you can't care about looking stupid. You can't care about, like, not doing it right. You just have to try and use your body and do whatever they want you to do until you get it. It's kind of weird. So that's what modeling is. Yeah. Like it's sometimes. So it's not just standing and posing. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's just, I always say, I do a lot of shoulders up, which is just beauty. So that's a lot of this Mm. and this. Hands on the cheek, like very simple. And then there's fashion. And then there's TV commercials where you're like running around and doing all sorts of, I mean, I have done so many strange videos and commercials (laughs) where I'm like running up 10,000 sets of stairs with like five suitcases that are full of books and like, like people ask you to do stuff and you just have to be determined to make it happen. (laughs) That's very interesting. I would call it the closest I would get is silent acting. Silent acting. I feel like I'm learning a lot right now. (laughs) I feel like I'm getting a lot of insight into what modeling actually is. But I feel like only recently did I kind of get a clue as to what it was because, I don't know, there was some like outtake from Vogue I saw on the internet and I saw the model like dancing around in front of the camera. I was like, oh, that's what you do to be a model? Like, you don't just, like, stand there and, like, look beautiful. I mean, you do with, like, the wind blowing in your hair. But, I mean, you see all of these, I think, especially editorial stuff that feels, like, cool and wild and funny. And, you know, I'm just like, wow, like, how did they get that photo? So, okay, silent acting. Yeah, it's funny because... You, we we truly do like physical labor for our jobs, and that kind of sounds ridiculous. But yeah. it's, my husband works at a de- sits at a desk most of the day, or walks around his office at most. Mm-hmm. But like for us, we're really using our bodies all day long, and you're standing, and you're running, and you're dancing, and doing all those things. And sometimes that's actually not the hardest part. It's that's kind of the easiest part because at least you're up and you're moving and doing mm-hmm. all those things. But yeah, it's you definitely lose all elements of being embarrassed. That's one thing that went out the window for me. For right. Sure. Yeah. I guess it would. You would just have to make peace with that. Yeah. You just like, have to whatever. get over it. Get over <laughs> it and just get it. Because then you're like, okay, I want to go home. So whatever you need me to do, um, I'm gonna do it all out. <laughs> and they really do want. They the client wants you to get over it. The client wants you to just be whatever it is that they are looking for. I mean, if you let the fear of being embarrassed hold you back, you're just gonna extend the day that much longer. It's not helping anyone to be afraid or embarrassed to do like the actions that are being asked of you in sure. some of those moments. So. It's kind of interesting. So what is the hardest part? 
I think the hardest part is the lack of ritual and routine that comes. So I think with anyone who's a freelancer Mm -hmm. and would understand this, it's like as a model, you sometimes find out not even 12 hours before that you're going to get on an airplane and fly to Europe or fly to Miami or L.A. And I think, of course, that sounds super glamorous. And sometimes it definitely is. But there are moments where I'm like, I would love to, like, just work out this morning and go to work at 9 a.m. and have a routine and a ritual and be able to stick to that. And I'm sure you know this as well. With travel comes, you know a lack of the food that you would like to eat and exercise and sort of just a general wellness ritual often get tossed out the window because you're in a different time zone and your schedule's all over the place. So I would say the hardest part is definitely the lack of routine Mm -hmm. that's hard to do. Yeah, I I would agree with you. Before I was working full-time on Love Wellness, you know, I did sort of like influencer life and you work when people hire you. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, you just sort of fill your days and try to make the most of it and try to, you know, build your brand yourself, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Totally. And yeah, it was like those long hours of just sort of nothingness when my friends would be at work and I would just be like walking by myself through Washington Square Park at like 2 p.m. on a Thursday. I'd be like, what the fuck am I doing with myself? That is like one thing that was for me, especially when I was younger, so difficult, especially Mm -hmm. my friends were in college and getting their first jobs. And I was like, I just have like three days in a row off. But that's why I think starting my YouTube channel was something that was just life changing because it gave me something to do and build all the time. Thank God. Yeah. A hundred percent a schedule. Well, we live in a really interesting time where, you know, media and content has been democratized. And so you can have a YouTube channel and you can do whatever it is that you want, right? For whatever purpose, whether it's like for pleasure, to make money, to like spread awareness, whatever it is, a hundred percent. So I think that that is, is, is really cool. So tell me about your YouTube channel. <laughs> so I started my YouTube channel about a year ago. You just started talking about ASMR and like that really weirds me out. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know weird. what? It weirds me out too. Do you but have like, a lot of ASMR on there? No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> like just one video? It's coming though. So get or ready. Like anyone. eight videos. <laughs> No, there's none. I just did it once for the first time. You know, YouTube is its own universe in terms of content. What if you become an ASMR queen? What if it goes viral and you're no longer the Maybelline girl and now you're the ASMR girl? Listen, I'm here for that journey. If that's what the world wants of me, like, I'm here for it. This podcast is like, you know, getting ASMR vibes from this. No, I do mostly beauty, um, beauty content, skincare, Mm -hmm. um, makeup, and I love collaborating with other people around content and sort of doing makeup tutorials with experts. I really love kind of bringing experts onto the channel to show what you can do with your hair, what you can do with your makeup, transformation, stuff like that. Because I'm no expert in that space, but what I think is unique is that I have access to experts. So I love kind of bringing them in. And then it's also just a general sort of about me. So there's behind the scenes, there's travel, and there's also like, I try to look at it as like a highlight and a low light reel. I have like some of my best moments and celebratory moments on there, but then I also try to share the not so great times or when I've gone through something and share it with others and hope that it resonates. And usually it does. YouTube is a great place. It's like a very supportive community. I need to get you on there. I had a YouTube channel for a long time. And how was it? It was good. I, I, it was like popular. And then I stopped doing it because I started working. And, you know, I don't know. I sort of, I sort of became uncomfortable with wanting to like share my personal life. Mm-hmm. I think I was single at the time. And I was like, there's too much information about me out there. Mm-hmm. And in the world of dating, like I just felt uncomfortable with 
whoever I was going out with being able to like Google me and like watch videos of me like crying about weird stuff. And I just made totally. me uncomfortable, like just too available and too vulnerable. It's, it's a vulnerable place. And I think the YouTube community was something that's beautiful about it, but something that it, about it, it can be a lot is it's a demanding one in the sense that they want to know all the nitty gritty details. Yeah. My so, community on YouTube was very supportive, totally. but I was worried about my real life and mm-hmm. how it would affect my real life being so open and vulnerable. Yeah, you know? I've, I've struggled like, with that. Like, do my friends think I'm weird oh, for yeah, doing that part, this? I mean, that I mean, part I'm like... whatever, but about them. But I think it was more like in these like romantic relationships. I was like, I don't want people, guys who are like going to go out on a first date with me to like watch videos on my YouTube channel. That weirds me out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they can find uh, Googling people is always <laughs> in general, but yeah, I've definitely struggled with that too with my husband because he works in finance and he's so yeah. not in this world. So like finding the balance of like, and the number one thing that everyone asks for on my Instagram and my YouTube is like, we want to see your husband. We want to see Kyle. We want to know more about him. You're and like, I've shown no. like peaks of him, but he's just not interested. He's fully supportive, but he's like, that's not my world. That's your world. And that's fine. So I'm like, you know what? That's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll let them just have a sl- sliver of you. Just a sliver of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do you talk about health and wellness at all? I do. I kind of talk about I do the typical. Like, health, I'm sorry, but like your model health and wellness is your job also. Totally. It's so important for us to like, I mean, I think wellness, the definition of wellness has definitely changed for me over mm-hmm. the years and kind of what that means. But I definitely do talk about sort of what I eat and how I think about it and how I work out and think about that. I try not to be too prescriptive on there because I think, like, people might overthink, like, what a model eats. Like, I want to eat like that. But I feel like wellness is so individual and it looks really different for everyone. Yeah. So, um, but I do try to share the things that make me feel good and the way of eating that make, the way of eating that does make me feel my best. Mm -hmm. But wellness to me these days is more just about like a general balance Mm -hmm. because I think years ago it was much more restrictive. Wellness was eating super clean. It was working out every day. It was like never drinking alcohol. It was like very, very strict, which Mm. I think a lot of models in general go through that phase of like a very restrictive because wellness and being fit is part of our job, right? Like looking a certain way. Well, yeah, like you said, you can get hired and you have to be on a job 12 hours later. And if you don't feel and look your best, then like, what do you... And it happens. (laughs) You're like at one oak the night before. Oops. (laughs) Yeah. Legitimately, it happens. Like you get called in for a job and I'm always honest. I'm like, I'm not at my best or this is not a good moment for me. Sometimes you go and you get home, set home from a job. I've literally flown on a red eye to Milan for like a very big fashion campaign and I got sent home they were just like she's too big she's out of shape all these things and you're just like on one hand I have to take responsibility there I wasn't in I didn't feel great in that moment it could have worked but it it didn't but Mm -hmm. you kind of have to just be okay with that happening sometimes so you have to make peace with that as like this is your job so you have to make peace with the fact that like you do have to manage what you look like to sort of conform to a, a standard yeah I think I felt that felt very... how do you how do you make peace with that yeah it's like I feel like years ago it was so much hard it felt like such a burden that I needed to conform and look a certain way and I really tossed that theory out the window and I've had the luxury of doing that because I have made you know, I have a great career and I still work and I have clients or say brands that are willing to work with me and want to work with me at the current size that I'm at, which is like a size six, sometimes an eight, you know, it's nothing crazy, but 
I think like, coming to peace with that, it's just like I try to just remember that you're never going to be – you can't always be everything for everyone. You know, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but you shouldn't be. Sometimes there's going to be days when people are like, they love you, they're jazzed about you, they think you look great. And then there's someone the very next day who's like, she's too big, she's not right, she, she has brown hair. It's like there's nothing I can do about that. So She has brown hair. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Oh, man. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel it, but I know it's a, it's truly a journey to be like, you know, people are just genuinely not going to like the way you look. So when you were younger and you were starting, cause you said it was happened when you were 15, how did you deal with it then? Because I imagine it felt much more dramatic. Oh, it did. Much more hurtful. It was kind of a, a slow burn for me in terms of getting to a point where I went too far. I felt like I, when I was, when I first started, I was like, oh, if you exercise and don't eat Burger King every day after school, you look a lot better. Mm-hmm. Huh. And then after that, I slowly took it to the next level and took it to the next level. And I think for me, exercise was something that I overdid. And I just was doing hours and hours a day. And I was just pushing it to a limit because I was like, I just had such a drive to be successful and I really pushed it there. And it was also because I did have people saying, oh, you're athletic, you're curvy, too commercial, whatever it may be. And I decided not to go to college and I decided to pursue this full time. So I was like, I have to make this work. I like literally have to. I just like Mm. moved into a studio in New York City and this is going to work. So I was so determined. And with that determination, I just spiraled off the planet and I was just like extremely thin. I was like 30 pounds lighter than I am now but I was miserable and it wasn't moving the needle either and it wasn't ma- getting me more jobs and people were like are you okay like people knew that I was not well and then I had clients being like who I used to work with they would be like okay she like doesn't look like she's okay and I was not okay so luckily I was like you know what this isn't working out and kind of threw that way out the window but also I was luck- lucky that I could still work after that even with 30 pounds heavier <laughs> so how did you walk back from that moment was it like your parents stepped in were you able to sort of recognize in yourself that you had some kind of problem it was a combination of all of the above I had friends who intervened and were like you don't look okay I had people at work that I worked with consistently that were like you don't look okay my parents were definitely worried about me and then I also reached a point where I was like okay I'm depressed like this is not helping me and not getting me to where I want to be so after that point I actually took six months off of modeling and went home and I just like I had a studio apartment in New York but I also just low-key lived in my parents house because I was like I need a break from all of this just to like get recentered and be normal and like maybe that's going to be with also a lot of doing nothing but like I just needed a break from it and then after that I it took it took me probably up until the last two years to feel comfortable in my body again mm-hmm. which is crazy because that was like 10 years ago but it's a journey to get to, to to feel at peace with where you're at I think it is for everyone yeah I think so I think also probably just getting older helps you make peace with your body you know because so much other stuff happens in your life that you realize is um, very important or varying degrees of important and mm-hmm. so you're able to put the concerns that you had as a much younger woman into perspective a little bit more, I think. Yeah. I mean, at least for me. Yeah. What was it like for you going from being sort of on reality TV and that journey into adulthood, like seeing yourself televised in that way? It's always made me really uncomfortable. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, should we not talk about this? No, 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 no. I'm happy to talk talk about it, but it's always made me really uncomfortable. And I think it's why I've moved so far away from that sort of universe. Like I literally 
left LA in 2012 because I was like, I just can't be here and feel like I'm associated with something that um, I would like maybe make fun of if I wasn't on that show. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, I sort of surprised myself by how much I sort of like wanted to distance myself from it. But I think that there were some things that happened on the show that were like very um, outside the box. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? At least at that time, things that were like very sensational that made me like very uncomfortable. And I just was like, I don't want to be associated with people like this because I'm not like this. And I know that long term in my personal life and professional life, it can be a hindrance. Mm -hmm. And so I think I've always just been concerned about how do I move forward in a way that is respectful, like to my body, to my brain, to the way I'm educated, to the way that I think and see about the world. You know what I mean? So ever since that moment in time, I've been trying to um, lay the groundwork so that strangers mostly perceive me as I really am. Yeah. So it's like totally a complex, but I think that most people that work in entertainment have this kind of complex to a certain Mm -hmm. degree. Totally. But you just, everybody's just trying to figure out how do they want people to perceive me? You know what I mean? And like you you take your pick, you like pick your identity and that's what you work towards. So for me, my identity is like, please think that I am normal. (laughs) You know what I mean? Totally. I know exactly what you mean, but it's also just being, feeling free to be your authentic most true self, which is not an easy thing. A hundred percent. And so for me, I think just like you, I'm super motivated. I want to do something really well. Um, I have always been entrepreneurial. And so, you know, when Instagram and Twitter started a couple of years ago, nobody really understood or saw it for what it would be now, right? As these like launch pads or jumping off points for people. And um, in a lot of ways, it makes me so thankful for the experience that I had on TV because it ended close enough to the start of Twitter and Instagram that I could at least develop some kind of following to maintain an audience to a certain degree, right? Like I have almost a million followers, but not a million followers. And I think, you know, if you, if, if I had been on TV a couple of years later, I would have more. If I was way younger, I would have more. So I'm really thankful that like, I at least have the audience that I have, right? Because it's been this amazing platform for me to communicate with women about the way that I see the world. And it has just given me like endless opportunities. And so for that, I'm very cognizant and thankful and like aware of it. Um, But also want to use it to my advantage and also to sort of further uh, the position that I take on like the category that love wellness is in, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? In terms of women's personal care and health and wellness. And so it's turned into this really amazing thing for me. Totally. It's just something that I'm still sort of like coming to terms with. And all of my friends at this point are like, you're so stupid. Like you have this (laughs) cool business. Like, why are you still so hung up on like, your past and I'm like well it's because I still go to parties and people still look at me weird and they like still like whisper and giggle about me in the corner so how would you feel really are you sure they're whispering and giggling because I feel like if I saw you at a party I'd be like oh my god it's her I'm gonna go say hi no I wouldn't do that you don't know if people are saying mean things about you or nice things about you and you so just you just make wanna. the assumption that they're saying mean things about you. Oh, no. We must not assume that. I'm sure they're <laughs> jazzed about it. I know that if I would have seen you, I would have been like, I was even so excited when I got the email about this podcast. I was like, uh, yeah, sign me up. Are you kidding me? If I would have told, like, 
13 my 13 year old Emily or four, how I don't know how 15 six I don't know how old I was when you were on TV yeah, but if I would have told myself I was going to be on your podcast I would have literally laughed in your face it's like an insane thing <laughs> but it's nice. also a positive thing for me at least to think about you you might associate it with a negative thing mm-hmm. like that part of your past but for me it's a total positive that's really nice. But I don't really remember everything Thanks. that went down. I know that you probably do. So I've been getting self-help <laughs> on the show lately. Sorry. I, had another, I don't mean no, to. No, no, it's great. Heather Thompson was on the show. She was like, move through the moment. I was like, okay. <laughs> I've moved through the moment. I have, 100%. Um, okay, so I'm curious as to when you travel. And, like, I know that you say, like, all the things that you do are for yourself from a wellness perspective and, like, they work for you. But what are some of those things? I'm especially curious about when you travel, how you sort of like stay model ready. Stay model ready, like in terms of wellness and like staying in shape and all those things. Yeah, I feel like because I had to kind of embrace this idea that I'm never really going to have a routine, I Mm -hmm. think the best thing is to be sort of prepared for what's to come, whether that's bringing um, workout bands when I work out, making sure that I stay at a hotel with a gym or making sure that I go for a run immediately when I land somewhere and try to see that not try to see that, but do see that as a, a positive opportunity to explore a new city and go for a run. Or I've literally sometimes like, all right, I just have like 15 minutes. I'm going to run up and down the stairs for 15 minutes. It's mm-hmm. like just using workout. I usually really use it as like an, an energy source because oftentimes when I travel, I'm literally dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so and so working out for you really helps with like jet lag is what you're saying. Oh, it totally helps with jet lag. And just overall like emotional and physical state it's sure, just yeah. like just get everything moving circulating yeah, exactly it's the only thing that can make me feel better when I land somewhere and it's so hard to motivate myself and do that so sometimes I make sure I travel in workout clothes so that mm. when I arrive I can just hit the ground running mm. and also just like yeah I think like working out is one of the biggest things and do also you like to work out though some I people love it, love it. For me, I need way more. I need motivation. <laughs> oh, no. I really love it. I think I, I love it because I, I. it just makes me feel so much better. And mm-hmm. I, I struggle with anxiety, and it just really helps me, like, kind of crush that, yeah. which I love. And also, I think that it um, it gives me a sense of routine even when I am traveling. It's like yeah. this is something that I'm absolutely going to do for myself. Mm-hmm. And then there's other other little things that I always do, like when I – I don't know. Do you want me to get into the nitty-gritty? Yeah, so? yes. Everyone that's listening is like – how do I be like this girl? No, I mean, <laughs> actually, I don't. Aside from making sure to work out. Okay, tell me what face products you use. Skincare? Oh, my God, I love skincare. Okay, well, that's another thing. I think another thing that, in general, feeling well on the road, mm-hmm. if I think about it like that, and I don't think about it of like in t- terms of like staying in shape, mm-hmm. I always bring a pair of matching set pajamas. It's a weird thing that makes me feel like grounded and kind of like I have a sense of routine. Mm-hmm. And also traveling with like skincare products that I love and like make me another sense of like ritual sure, yeah. that I love. And I think being able to travel with those things is just such a nice feeling when you kind of don't feel grounded. Yeah. Being able to bring your routine with you. Um, but what products that I love? I love Drunk Elephant. I love Tata Harper. I love Then I Met You. I love, I mean, I kind of gravitate towards anything that's at Credo, anything clean. I really mm-hmm. love like non-toxic beauty. Um, I love Biotherm. Um, yeah, there's just like so many things. Yeah. What do you use? Mm, 
I've really started to cut back. I have talked to Harper. Yeah. I have drunk elephant. I like this um, thing called Egyptian Magic, I which costs like $10 on Amazon. Mm-hmm. There's these secret Amazon products. Yes. <laughs> I know. What's the that what's that mask that like comes in the thing, that green clay mask that everybody loves? Oh yeah. Uh, it's like a Mayan mask. I, I don't know. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. But I agree. I have really transitioned towards things that like on the EWG website have a rating of like one on the toxicity scale. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I can look at the back and there's like five or six ingredients instead of 35 ingredients. Um, and I honestly find, at least for me, that those things work better for me. Totally. So everybody is having the product revolution, right? A hundred percent. It's funny. My latest YouTube video is testing out Korean skincare for a week and I did like the 10 steps. Yeah. And I just, it's too much. It's too I think much. Everyone is gravitating towards simplicity and mm-hmm. being able, like, I feel like it just needs to be a routine that's attainable and clean and non-toxic is super important to me yeah, too. Yeah, 100%. I mean, everything you put on your skin, it gets absorbed into your bloodstream in like 10 seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, I feel like there's like this huge shift happening and everybody is aware of it. Um, and finally, we have amazing products that are natural. It's like, it could be done, you know? Yeah. I feel like 10 years ago, you'd have to like go buy some that somebody like threw together at their farmer's market it's and you so would true. just be like hmm yeah. you know what I mean it was ha- mo- way more suspect back then but I don't know the times have changed yeah I felt right? like a clean beauty or they would call it like organic beauty was like so crunchy as I call it it, f- it felt like okay this is something that like I could make you know what I mean right. in my kitchen myself and like really but I guess I mean, even if you, like, look at medicine, like, medicine is just synthetic versions of, like, nature, you know, that do all these amazing things for our body. So, like, why wouldn't we go back to nature for the original source of all things health and wellness? Totally. Right? Yes. Yeah. But beauty is definitely skincare in general. I'm a total junkie. I love trying everything in mm-hmm. sight. But I definitely – it's nice having things like EWG and the Credo Store and Sephora Clean. Now you can yeah. have, like, a better directory. Yeah. I buy wonderful. a bunch of stuff from the clean section in Sephora for sure. It's great. I discovered Kosas that way. Mm-hmm. I love Kosas. <laughs> but, yeah, it's nice that these companies – you know, Credo and Sephora, whatever, you know, have started to like dedicate actual sections to, um, you know, clean, non-toxic beauty brands. Totally. So it's an exciting look forward for sure. For sure. So um, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> it's funny you ask. Um, I think that kind of going off what you were saying about your following and kind of being able to grow your business, I think my final goal, not final goal, my goal is to be able to, because I work really hard at growing my social media platforms Mm -hmm. and it's something that I focus on and it's something that I love, especially YouTube. It's been like a really great source of like energy and uh, purpose for me. But I think the end goal is to start my own business. I love that. (laughs) What is it going to be? I don't know. TBD. You're going to have to stay tuned. Are you already thinking of ideas? I mean, yes, of course. I'm always... I'm always thinking of ideas. Always, yeah. But you've had done such a good job, like, segueing into being, like, being this... Turning into this entrepreneur. I mean, it's really inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. Well, something that I have learned is that if you do something for long enough, eventually everybody catches on. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if you do something for long enough and you are... Um, you dedicate enough time and energy to it and you just focus and you like don't get distracted and you keep telling the same story over and over and over again, eventually people are like, oh, okay. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, I would, I would say that it just takes like dedication and focus and time. Totally. And like, just conti- like continuity more than anything. Totally. I think that focus is important. Focus is super important. What's interesting for me though is that up until I was doing love wellness, I feel like I bounced around a lot between interests and. I've also learned that it's okay to have lots of interests, but, you know, when I was younger, I was like, I, I want to do this, I want to do this, and I feel like I got a hard time from, like, my sister and my family about, like, what is it that you, like, actually want to do, you know, you, like, bounce back and forth between, like, New York and L.A. and all of this stuff, and so love wellness is the first thing that I have felt, like, truly grounded in for a meaningful amount of time. You know, we've, we're going on our third, fourth year of business now, and I, I love it, and so I don't know specifically what it is about it that like keeps me feeling so motivated to continue forward but I have definitely struck a chord within myself to a certain degree you know what I mean yeah I think that idea of bouncing around though it can sound like it's not a good thing but I always felt that way as well like I did a yoga teacher training I did a health coach training I went to Columbia for a few years and I was like maybe I'll go back to school and in those moments and at that time I was like oh my god this feels so discombobulated like who mm-hmm. am I like what do I want to be but now I look back and I'm super grateful that I tested all of these theories so that you can land and yeah. find something that you care about one it's like you take a piece from each of these things and it takes you on your next step of the journey exactly you know what I mean like before I was doing love wellness I was focused really heavily on food and nutrition um simultaneously I was like anxious and depressed and had all of these vitamin deficiencies and I had previously gone to culinary school so you know it's like sort of like every step of the way kind of leads you to where you're supposed to be even if it may feel sort of outside the box I mean for me cooking has never been outside the box I love to cook I grew up cooking with my mom and I feel like that's what I mostly do on Instagram. <laughs> um, but, you know, I started with culinary school being like, I'm going to have a show on the Food Network. You know what I mean? And, like, that didn't end up panning out. And so then I, my, my focus sort of shifted because I was not well onto the wellness elements of food and, and nutrition and how to heal my body through food and through natural products. And, and eventually that's what took me to starting Love Wellness and, and building out that brand into what it is now. Um, but yeah, I guess just for anybody listening, I think that you're totally right. Like it it can feel all over the place, but it's really not. There is a red thread throughout your life. Yeah. I wish that I could have told my younger self, just keep trying things, just keep trying, just keep trying random things. Even if it doesn't feel comfortable. I think I was so for so long, like I'm a model and that's all I'm good at and I'm pretty and like, that's what I do. And I don't think I'll be able to do anything else. Whereas eventually I realized that if I just start trying like heck you actually end up like being good at really random things but you don't know that until you actually try yeah a hundred percent what random things do you want to do now I don't know do you have anything in mind I have so many things in mind for myself oh I was like for for me please tell me (laughs) (laughs) not for you they're for me no I mean for what's next I think it's just um it's figuring out like what is truly next and what I feel I think my YouTube channel has been something that has really helped me figure out many things that I am good at or could be good at and mm-hmm. continue to grow that. It's weird. Like, it's very small things. Like, I edit my own videos, and I did never thought I would be able to do that. And right? It's, it's my favorite part of the entire process. Yeah. I love it. And I was like, wow, I love this so much. Like, I could help other people do this. I could mm-hmm. help other people produce content. It's small things like that. But I don't, for what's next, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. Okay. 
It could be food. It could, it could be, be food. It could be food. It could be hair masks. It could be hair. Hair is hair is a hot topic. It could be hair. You have great hair. I have. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it could be hair. Who knows? <laughs> okay. Well, the world is your oyster. Thank you. I feel like I want to think about ideas for you. Yeah, please do. If you have any ideas, just shoot me an email. <laughs> I, I, def- I definitely I want to start watching your YouTube channel. You have to. I want to watch your tutorials. Please do. There's some good ones on there. Some good tips. Okay, but are you going to keep doing ASMR? Because to me, it's like a <laughs> sex thing. <laughs> You're advising against that. You know, it was a one-time thing. It was, once again, me trying something different. I was like, is okay, ASMR? Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, full circle. I'm like, this is me trying. You have to support me. I no. do. <laughs> I absolutely do. Um, okay, so on the show, we have a segment that we call Secret Ritual, and because everybody has a secret wellness ritual that they, like, don't want to tell their friends about, but that makes them feel really good, and it can be traditional wellness or it can be non-traditional wellness. Like, for me, it's always, like, I'm going to, like, order pizza on Sunday and not tell anybody (laughs) (laughs) and eat it. (laughs) It makes me feel amazing. (laughs) Self-care. It comes in many forms. Self-care comes in many forms. Exactly. Yes. So what is your secret ritual? (sighs) I mean, I wouldn't really call it a secret, but something that I do do every single day is practice, like, deep gratitude for just at least pick three things. And I actually started doing it because I had the 10-minute journal. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Mm -mm. It's, like, basically a journal where you write down three things you're grateful for, and that's sort of, like, your journal for the day. But it's something that I've continued to do, and it just makes me feel obviously grateful but happy and well, and it just reminds me to just be happy and grateful for, like, this life that I've been given. But I feel like it, it being grateful prevents me from feeling stressed. It prevents me from feeling anxious, depressed. It's like a cure-all for anything. In any of those moments where I'm overwhelmed or mm-hmm. I'm anxious or I'm, I have moments of being depressed and I've gone through that, and it's like if you just try to remind yourself of great things that you're grateful for, and they can be so itty-bitty and small, but it yeah. always makes a difference. Hmm. It truly does. It's like something that's so important to me. I love that. That's a new one. We really? haven't gotten that on the show before. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's it, it's it's just overall well-being and like my spirit feeling well. And like I feel like it's really easy. And we were just talking about be, living in New York and how overwhelming and overstimulating. And I try to – and sometimes I find myself like not even wanting to leave the house. It's so mm-hmm. much sometimes living here. So I try to remember like I'm grateful that I can afford to live here. I'm grateful that my journey has taken me here. I'm grateful that I have a beautiful home. Like not everyone has that. And like yeah. really sitting with that and remembering it prevents you from really seeing anything else in those moments that's really nice (laughs) i'm glad i I did well you did you did so great (laughs) um okay so my last question is what is one thing that you do now from a wellness perspective that you wish that you had done earlier in your life something that i wish i did earlier was I think something that I started doing as an adult um, was to see every moment in life as a opportunity to learn something and an opportunity to see good and positivity. I think 
when I was younger, when I first started modeling and I was going to all these amazing places and doing all these amazing things, but all I wanted and all I focused on was I want to go home. I want to be like in my space. I want to be with my family. I want to be with my friends. I mean, granted, I was like 16, 17 years old. I was like a grouchy little teenager, like working and traveling around the world. But I wish that I had seen every moment and seen every person and seen every place as a learning opportunity. Because Mm. even when you look at every moment like that, you're never bored. You're always curious and you can always find something to do or talk about or learn from someone if you focus on it, which I feel like it makes every moment entertaining, which is kind of like weird and selfish in a way. But it's also like if every moment is a moment to learn something, any person you meet, like I always think like if you're ever bored in a conversation, that's your fault, not theirs, because you haven't figured out what you can learn from them. (laughs) I feel like I'm leaving with like two hot tips. For those hot tips. Gratitude (laughs) and like look for opportunity in every opportunity. Yeah, what can I learn from you? What do you have to offer? I'll find it. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. Yeah. Were those good answers? I hope so. Oh, my God. They were great answers. Yeah. They were so thoughtful and well-formed. I, I think you probably were hoping, maybe hoping for, like, six-pack secrets or something, but I don't have a six-pack. No, six not pack. necessarily. <laughs> like, I don't have a six-pack or anything. No. <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> Some people give us their six-pack secrets, but, like, other people give me totally interesting things um okay well this has been really wonderful where can our listeners find you yeah you can find me at, at emily di donato on instagram okay. twitter as well and then um facebook as well and youtube emily di donato yeah, what's your youtube channel it's just a hashtag or backslash emily di donato okay yeah i'm following you now. you can find me i'm gonna find you are your old videos still up there no they're not My channel exists, but my videos are not up there. But I think actually we're going to start doing some, like, love wellness content. You absolutely should. YouTube is a good place, like, Mm -hmm. to do that kind of stuff. It's an engaged place. It is an engaged place. They're ride or die. They are. Yeah. Okay. This was such a great episode. Thanks, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. Yep. Bye, guys. (laughs) 